Okay, well, hopefully if I hit that little button there, it should start recording and theoretically the Cadbury Conversations podcast is underway. Way. So, here we are. So, here we go. Uh, Welcome. This is the first Cadbury Conversations podcast. It's really nice to have you listening to us. Um, My name is Andrew Davis. I work at the University of Birmingham. I direct the Edward Cadbury Centre for the Public Understanding of Religion. (sighs) Deep breath. Um, (laughs) The Cadbury Centre is here fundamentally to enhance the public understanding of religion. We want to talk to people about why religion matters, what religion does in public life, what it's here for, how it can be a hindrance to public policy, but also how it can be an advantage in public life and the difference that it can make to people. So so that's what the centre's here for, but who are you? <laughs> who am I? Who are you? Thank you for the warm welcome. That's right, anytime. <laughs> so my name's Mariam Mahmood, and I am the centre facilitator here at the Cadbury Centre for the Public Understanding of Religion, um, and also a teaching fellow in the Department of Theology and Religion. Uh, so yes, I work alongside yourself, <laughs> if you have forgotten already. It's easily done, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, okay, brilliant. So what is Cadbury Conversations all about? Why are we doing this? What's the point of doing this? There is so much news at the moment. If anything, there's too much news in the world. Mm-hmm. And so much of it relates to religion, so much of it affects and is affected by religious affairs issues. And we really want to help people navigate some of those challenges, don't we, Marion? We do. And quite often the case is that it's always the negative and stereotypically sort of uh, threatening or uh, quite um, malicious aspects of, you know, wherever religion is involved in the conversation. What we want to do, I think, is kind of shine light on the more positive elements of news that involves religion or you know kind of the ways in which religion is not just seen as a problem but as a solution to many of the world's biggest challenges be it social political economic um, which are often unfortunately quite neglected in the overall conversation so we do like the public understanding of religion which focuses on religion and public life the role that religion plays in in politics and, and by the role religion plays in politics i think there are three different things that we have in mind really one of them is just the fact that religion is an important motivation for people and how religion is changing mm-hmm. and how people's interaction with religion and religious affairs is changing so that's one of the threads of work we do Um, And then we look at stuff like religion and global politics, so humanitarian affairs, international development, international relations, the kind of the macro politics, if you like, the the big picture politics. Um, But that's not all that politics is about. Politics is about people's experience of living life day after day in community and engaging in the polis, engaging in the city and in the life of the city. And Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work around cohesion, communities and uh, and how religion features into that. A bit of work on interreligious relations as well. Mm-hmm. So um, those of you listening to the podcast may have come across the Cadbury Centre in terms of the faith leader training programme we do. Mm-hmm. You may have been to some of the symposiums or public lectures or events that we run as well. Um, we're very much focused around making sure that people understand 
how religion motivates, shapes and influences decision making at local level Mm -hmm. and at the global level as well. So welcome to Cabri Conversations and we hope you enjoy the journey. And just to add to that, I think, um, you know, not just seeing religion through the lens of theology, but also, as you said rightly, lived experiences, because I think what's fundamental to sort of, you know, human beings is, is identity. And one major aspect of many people's identity, how religion not only shapes their actions and behaviours or motivations for things, but also what it means to them. You know, kind of speaking directly to individuals as opposed to kind of lumping them all as one, you know, group, a religious group, such as, you know, these are this is the Hindu community or this is the Muslim community, Jewish community, etc. It's about realising that there's so many differences amongst people within the same community and that difference, you know, we, we can come to a unified sort of understanding through sort of sharing our differences and, you know, accepting them. So it's kind of, you know, to navigate that as well, I think, is really important. So. I, yeah, I think that's absolutely critical, Marian. So I, I, I'm a Christian and one of the things that annoys me as a Christian is that sometimes it's assumed that the only form of Christianity in the UK is Anglicanism. Mm-hmm. I have huge respect for the Church of England. I like Justin Welby. I think he's a great man. But Anglicanism isn't the majority Christian tradition in the UK anymore. And to assume that the Church of England speaks for all Christians is is slightly flawed. But that's the kind of default route that policymakers so often go. Mm -hmm. And for many other faiths, outside Christianity is even more complex. So who's the kind of senior imam in the country? Uh, We we have a chief rabbi, but we don't have a chief Hindu priest. And should there be one is another question. So, um, you know, we have a multitude of sort of denominations, mothers in in sort of um, the Islamic tradition. I'm I'm from the Muslim faith. I'm um, Islamic faith, rather. I am a Muslim, practicing one. And um, I grew up in Ireland. So... That is also part of my identity. So a running joke I often tell is, you know, you're asked, where are you from? So who are you? What are you? I'm a Muslim, you know, I'm of an ethnic background, I suppose, you know. Um, And then it's like, no, no, no. Are you a Catholic Muslim or a Protestant Muslim? Mm. So then again, this kind of, you know, it's imbued with this sort of dynamic, you know, these sort of questions are always raised. And, you know, we live in such a, as cliched as it sounds, a very cosmopolitan world you know and to truly understand the essence of what faith means and how it matters to individuals we really need to get to the bottom of it by by unpacking sort of these sort of questions too so I'm not just a Muslim I am a you know a woman of Pakistani heritage of sort of the Irish influence there as well somebody who you know has studied a certain topic and has several different interests so these schemas of my identity kind of roll into one and make me who I am and make my sort of perception of faith and my um, sort of lived reality of faith probably quite different from even the next Muslim. So I think that's something we can look at, not just interfaith, but the intra-faith dynamic here as well. Hopefully, wouldn't you agree, Andrew? And it's great way forward, yeah. It's really exciting. Um, And... I'm sure, like everybody on the planet, would love to just sit and listen to us for half an hour, but it's not <laughs> just going to be us talking yeah. each time. We're going to get some other people to come and join us, aren't we? Rightly so, yes. We are uh, very thrilled to announce that we'll have a quite a, a high-profile list of not just people from the academic sphere, but also from 
people in the arts and culture and policy side of things, practitioners, grassroots organizations, a whole host of individuals and groups and communities who are involved in some shape or form with religion and society. So kind of unraveling that, speaking to them, their experiences and what they think are sort of the challenges we face today and how religion uh, can be brought into the conversation. Brilliant. We're also going to have two new exciting spots in our little broadcast show and the first one of those we're going to do now. So here is Religion Roundup. <laughs> so, uh, Religion Roundup. Okay, so what we're going to do in this slot is look at ways in which religion has been prominent in the news and kind of themes that have got religious impact and religious influence or religious affairs issues that have cropped up in the news. So what's in the news this week? Uh, we're not going to talk about the B word. It's forbidden. Uh, it's not the right time to talk about that. <laughs> Never a right time for that. No. Um, but one thing that's really interesting in the news at the moment is this whole discussion on truth and what truthfulness is and why trustworthy leadership is, is so important. Now, I'm not making any value judgment on any individual because, like... Uh, we're all guilty of kind of uh, falling down on that level at some stage. But one of the challenges that society faces, I think, and that kind of religious communities are really looking for is for trustworthy leaders. Mm -hmm. This is kind of one of the things we spend a lot of time talking about on the faith leader training, isn't it? Um, it's a real challenge that people don't feel they can trust leaders mm -hmm. as they want to. And it seems to me that religion has something to speak into that. But it's also kind of disturbing and, and, and sad that over the last few years we've seen a decline in the level of trust that is accorded mm -hmm. to, to, to faith leaders. There's a, an annual survey that um, I think YouGov do, do mm -hmm. over the trustworthiness of leaders. And religious leaders are one of the communities that's fallen furthest down that list, really. So um, I think it's really important that faith leaders do kind of commit to transparency commit to openness of course we can't like put everything in the public domain but i think one of the lessons of the religious news this week is mm -hmm. that people want to trust their leaders mm -hmm. want to know that they can trust the leaders know that truth is being spoken to them so that's my kind of word of the week if you like that's, truthfulness that's wonderful that's a, a really really a pertinent topic timely as well and just to add to that i i completely agree i think before we talk about cohesion or dialogue we need to understand a foundation or foundational pillar of any of that is trust, a mutual trust. So speaking on faith leaders, not only do they have this um, onus of trust within their community as, as a person of great standing, but also they're almost like seen as sort of gatekeepers to a community and, and, a, and a sort of a bridge that can connect the community to wider society, as well as policymakers and those in power. So the trust is dialogical. So it's not mm. just the trust that people have or vest within the faith leader, but also the faith leader trusts wider society, their congregation and uh, the government and vice versa. So there needs to be this transparency, as you said, but also all in good nature. And hopefully our faith and our religion or various religions can inculcate that within uh, our lived realities. What would hope. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I think that's got huge implications for interreligious relations and interfaith dialogues. So um, 
I, I grew up in an environment where interfaith dialogue wasn't something you pursue as a conservative evangelical Pentecostal Christian kind of thing. Mm. Um, we weren't always that keen at talking to non-Pentecostal Christians, let mm. alone kind of Muslims or, or Jews or um, Sikhs. Um, and one of the things I love about my job in Birmingham is the opportunity to engage with communities other, other than my own and to, to meet with them. Mm. But if all that becomes is an attempt at kind of finding common ground, yeah. <laughs> um, theologically, we're never going to agree. By definition, I'm a Christian because I believe in the truth of Christianity exactly. in a way that I don't think other religions are quite as true, mm. much as I respect and admire and, yeah. and kind of love them. Um, the same mutatis mutandis for you, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Um, what matters is how we find opportunities for those religions to talk meaningfully mm. and respectfully and transparently without kind of toning down who they are. I completely agree. And somebody who has worked within sort of some capacity or or the other in interfaith work, be it dialogue or workshops or training for the past decade or so, I often find my gripe with this is, as you said, quite rightfully, that, you know, is it just what sort of meaningful conversations are we having? You know, um, we could just sit around the table and sing Kumbaya if we like to. It's but a good it's, song, it's, 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 No, I would never knock it. I'm ready to, you know, ready to join the choir. But are we just preaching to a choir? Are we? Are we what about those silent voices you know people who are kind of unheard at the fringes of society um how do we engage with them without sort of negating our distinguishing characteristics of of our of our respective faiths of our respective backgrounds i think that's the challenge and always has been for interfaith and slowly i think we're getting uh coming to terms with and this is something that um andrew we um we train uh, as part of the flti It's, it's a huge part or aspect of the FLTI, uh, the Faith Leaders Training Initiative, and yeah, to, to do the to do the brief advert, if you want to know more about the Faith Leader Training Initiative, go to www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash FLTI, and you can find everything you would ever possibly want to know about that superb course, which we really enjoy delivering. We're really privileged to work with some great colleagues on. So that is this week's religion roundup. The second new spot that we're going to have on uh, the Cadbury Conversations podcast, I do like that name, it's a good name. It's a good name. Um, the second thing that we're going to do, and this is a little bit more risky, um, <laughs> is This Week in Twitter. So, like, to help us with This Week in Twitter, this is where this podcast becomes a bit dialogic because we want you to send us some tweets that we can respond to, okay? Um, Because kind of trawling through Twitter to find stuff that people are writing about religion is a risky... Risky business. Yeah, yeah. There's some (laughs) stuff that's not terrific on there. Um, So, dear listener, if you think there are things you'd like us to talk about or like us not to talk about or want to ask us or want to tell us, do kind of tweet us. Uh, We are at Cadbury Centre on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do drop us a line. Uh, You can also tweet at me. I'm at Dr. A. Davis and Mariam, you are... I'm at Mary Mood. So you can find us on Twitter. Do send us positive, uplifting, encouraging messages and uh, we'll talk about them on here. But for this week, uh, what is Twitter telling us on religious affairs issues? Let's have a look. Let's certainly have a look now. I'm literally starting up Twitter as we speak. This is kind of living on the edge in radio (laughs) broadcast. (laughs) 
So there's lots of stuff about get Brexit done, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. No, we're not. Uh, Okay, so something coming up this year later on is the 150th anniversary of the birth of Gandhi. Mm -hmm. Uh, So lots of stuff going on on Twitter about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like like this quote, okay? Um, We were talking about transparency. So there's a quote here from Dr. Umesh Prabhu uh, replying to um, the India Institute at the University of Birmingham. All leaders must be authentic with great integrity and courage. Hmm. What is the meaning of authenticity, Andrew, in this context, do you think? And authentic to whom and what? To Hmm. themselves, to their faith, to their congregation? Surely all of the above, isn't it? Um, So I I think what feels like a lack of transparency and a lack of trustworthiness in leadership is when they say one thing and do another. So Mm. being being authentic as a leader, to my mind, means saying, I'm going to do this and then actually getting on and doing it, which is less common than you might expect and might hope. I think one thing, just to add to that, is that often when we see people um, who maintain a certain semblance of faith, but not necessarily in... Uh, this, the organised religion sense of things is probably this is their main criticism is that often or too often um, is that um, faith leaders or those who are in sort of high ranking positions within faith groups have a tendency perhaps to to like you said say one thing and do the other or which in by 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 the logic of certain faiths is an act of hypocrisy. So I think some people feel a bit despondent and quite dejected and as a result tend to shy away from faith or at least from the organised aspect, the the sort of congregational aspect of faith. And that's something that is quite deeply saddening. Um, But I think, again, if we were to kind of dwell on this quote, it's one thing to say to be authentic, but how do we actually encourage and enable those in positions of authority, such as faith leaders, to really um, stand up for what they believe in and and act upon it. So, for instance, certain aspects of their faith might cause them to come in trouble with wider society. Certain things that they believe in might not be politically correct. So how do they navigate then? So um, let us know on Twitter, at Cadbury Centre, what you think and what you understand by authenticity. Is it as important as uh, that correspondent thinks it should be? And uh, what does it mean? What does it look like practically? Let us know. Uh, I think that just about wraps up episode one. So thanks for joining us, Marion. Thanks for joining us, dear listeners. Uh, And we will be back very soon with some exciting guests, some more religion roundup and some more this week in Twitter. Definitely. Do get in touch at Cadbury Centre uh, and go visit www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash Cadbury Centre or forward slash FLTI for more information on what we're doing. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Watch the space.